Thank you for tuning in to a special presentation of the Good Grief, Good God Show, hosted by Grammy nominee and Emmy Award-winning hit songwriter Brad Warren of the Warren Brothers. Join Brad monthly on the first and third Tuesdays for raw, honest conversation about surviving things that suck on your favorite audio platform or in video on YouTube. I'm producer Matt Pivato. For today's episode, Brad welcomes two very special people, his wife, Michelle, and special guest host, Al Andrews. If Al's name sounds familiar, he was the guest for the first episode. Al's the founder of Porter's Call and is not only one of the most well-respected counselors in country music, but has also played a huge part in Brad and Michelle's marriage from the early days of marital dysfunction and Brad's addiction to most recently the loss of Brad and Michelle's son, Sage, in May of 2020. Over the next hour, Michelle will speak directly to mothers experiencing grief by sharing her experience of a journey that began with the loss of Sage. A journey built upon a solid foundation of her faith, but at the end of the day, a journey that she lives every single day that we all can learn from. Before we get started, a few housekeeping notes. For more information about the show, including links to the back catalog of episodes and to follow the show on social media, check the description or visit goodgriefgoodgodshow.com. Lastly, if you would like to help support the show, help spread the word by hitting that subscribe button and leaving us a five-star review. The Good Grief, Good God Show is brought to you in loving memory of Sage Michael Warren. Al, here we are again so soon. Here we are again. It hasn't been that long since we've sat across from each other, but we have a guest. I have a guest, guest in my own home. <laughs> yeah. It would appear that I'm afraid to talk to my wife without you, but maybe, <laughs> maybe that is the case. <laughs> there, there were years where that there was were true. Years. Yeah, there was, there was a time that was true. So today we're going to talk about moms and grief. I think we're going to talk a little bit about the holidays and what it's like to go through the first of things with uh, after loss. I guess we need you to kind of be the referee, Al. No referee. That sounds bad. No, our guide. Guide, our porter. Yeah, our porter. Well, one of the things that I think is important to say is that we haven't rehearsed this at all. Not at all. <laughs> no. And really, um, this is real. It's not... Um, something that we study about or learn about, but we're friends and um, we're here. You know, Jackie Gleason never rehearsed. Is that right? He didn't. He just went at it. So I haven't, we, Brett and I don't rehearse. I haven't rehearsed anything in years. So that would be. You'll have to explain to some people who Jackie Gleason is. Yeah. Yeah. For anyone under 50. He <laughs> <laughs> was an actor when the TVs were black and white. And, oh God. Yeah. Uh, why do you, why do you want to do this? Hell if I know. <laughs> maybe, we maybe, don't. Maybe want is not not work. But um, in your mind, why are the three of us sitting here? Uh, because our son is not. Yeah. Um, and we're on this incredible journey. And we didn't know what it was like to be on this journey until it happened to us. And it's healing for us to do this. And it's also hard for us to do this. But when we were looking for something, actually anything to help us get through our grief and our loss, it was hard to find something because people don't like to talk about it. They really don't. Mm-hmm. They don't. I'm such an outlier. I actually like to talk about it now. Yeah. Now. I mean, it's not uh, something that people are 
comfortable with because it's frightening. It's everybody's worst fear. And where everybody generally has a penchant for staying away from the reality of it. And that's your 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 answer was poignant of we're here because he's not. And Interesting what you just said when you're on the outside of it, because when I was on the outside of this, I thought, that's the worst thing ever. Oh, my God. Okay, <laughs> didn't think about it anymore. I didn't, you know, I had friends that it happened to, um, only a couple, but but a couple. And I I was what I thought was there for them for, for the moment that it was, um, you know, when it just happened. And, but the truth is, you know, it's, the only relief we get is when we're trying to help. So, man, you lock arms with the people doing this, man, you walk like an army. And you don't like lock arms with people doing this? I mean, it's, it's a dog. I get, I understand anyone's reaction to this, whatever that may be. Sure. Uh, yeah. As a recovering alcoholic, I would completely understand someone taking that road. As a married person, I completely understand the divorce that ensues often in this. But the, uh, the truth is that when we get healthy and lock arms, it's like, it's like even better than it was before. And it doesn't mean that we don't feel the ache and the pain and we don't miss that person. We don't wish they were here. And we wish anything had happened but that. But they, uh, you, I'm a healthier person than I was before this happened. You are. And, and yeah. like I, I've said it on here multiple times, like literally not caring what people think is, is so freeing because you just go, okay, I'm, I'm going to try to help somebody and I'm going to try to be healthy as best as I can. And I know my mom's going to be upset because we're going to cuss. <laughs> you know, it's okay. It's okay. She'll be okay. And we'll be okay. And, and someone else is going to be like, oh, my God, I don't want to talk about that. It's so uncomfortable. And that's fine, too. You can turn it off. Uh, well, as, as we're sitting here, I remember a time being in your home, being at the table or something. And you were leaving. And I asked you where you were going. And you said... Um, this woman has just lost her son, and I don't know her, but a friend of mine wanted me to go talk to her. And I remember thinking, gosh, it's the gift you don't want to have, but it's the gift that you give. Um, I, I think I'd like to know what it's like for you as a mom to go do that and what it brings up in you. And, Uh, hard is not even a strong enough word yeah. <laughs> because I'm experiencing the most unnatural thing of not having your son or daughter that you can hold, you can call, talk to. Um, so that doesn't sit well with me, but it's my reality now. Mm-hmm. And so early on, uh, I personally just came to a crossroads and I had to decide, okay, am I going to be mad or am I going to do the best I can with this, to put it lightly? Um And for me, that kind of was first step getting out of bed every single day. And we have two other sons that, because of COVID, were in the house 
do. And um, I can't even imagine or didn't even imagine what they were going through. So the mom and me had to kick in and, and had to fight for them. And but I realized, too, I can't hold my feelings. So it's OK that they see me cry. It's okay if I'm having a bad day and they see that. As much as I want to protect my sons, it's too big. You know, this is just too big to hide. Um, and so when I have a chance to go sit with another mom, I can honestly say I know exactly what you're feeling, especially in the early days. Um, and I was so fortunate, and, and I hate being fortunate in this way, but a, a good friend of mine lost her son uh, probably four years ago when Sage passed, and um, it was one of Sage's best friend, childhood best friends, and her son Jim lived in our house. They were baseball buddies. We traveled with the family, and um, Jim was always at our house. Yeah. I mean, it was like I not had three sons. I yeah. had four sons. Know how that is. So when he went to heaven, that struck a chord in all, all of us. And I, I watched Lee and Ward and their daughter Claire go through the motions. And um, I, I, didn't, I didn't even know how she, she did that. And I also had another friend whose son was, Logan, was 22 months old when he, when he went to heaven. And I watched her go through the motions. And um, the strength these two women had was just profound. And I thought, oh, wow, I, you know, how, how do you do that? So as my friend Lee says, somebody always goes before you. And unfortunately, Chandra and Lee went before me and had to do this. And they were my lifeline from day one. And uh, and they're okay. They, they live their life. You know, they, they do. And they live it well. <clears throat> and so I took, and I still do, take everything and ask questions and watch them. And I saw how God just wrapped his arms around them and their families. And I'm like, I, I want that. I want to. I want to do that that way. I want, if I am given this, I'm going to do it the right way. I'm going to ask for help when I need it, and I'm going to give help when it's needed. And so, when I sit with other moms, I'm just raw. I, I don't sugarcoat this because you can't. <laughs> you, you just. Know, if there's anything I know about the Warrens, <laughs> is that you don't sugarcoat. <laughs> you don't. Never have. Never will. If we didn't before, <laughs> then isn't. And, and how, and I think how important that is that you don't. Yeah. Because it would add, so, it would give so much pressure to someone if they felt like they were supposed to be okay quickly. Yeah. There's no okay quickly. There's no okay at all. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. If, yeah. if there was a timeline, you know what? You're probably going to be over this in about two years. And when three years happen and they weren't okay, imagine the way they would feel. Yeah. There's a freedom in knowing there's no timeline because there's no okay. Yeah. There's better than okay. <clears throat> but there's not really a status quo. It doesn't really exist for us anymore. 
and as she was talking, I remembered. So Lee's husband Ward was is, was a, f- a friend of mine, and then uh, Casey Bethard is another friend of mine that was here uh, the day after, the two days after it was Sage passed. I don't just you know it's kind of blurry all of it, and I mean the house was full of people and the yard was full of people, and it was wonderful and it was amazing. But those two guys, like everyone else kind of had the panic-stricken look that I would expect my good friends to have, that I would have had for their kid. Um, my brother, who was amazing, took care of, literally, my brother took care of everything I was supposed to take care of. In fact, he's kind of still doing that <laughs> sometimes. Um, he took care of so much, and it was amazing. Um, and uh, the, my other friends doing things that were just so kind. But those two guys, Ward and Casey, who had both lost kids, their faces were calm. They were free of wrinkles in the forehead. They were, they gave me like a real smile and not like, oh, good, you get to do it. Not, it's hard to explain because it sounds a little bit like, oh, they were happier than everyone else. <clears throat> they weren't happier, they were at peace. <clears throat> and they had a peace and and kind of a lack of, like it's great to make sure that the food shows up and there are people that did that, it was great. But those two guys weren't really worried about the food and, and obviously neither were we. Um, there's things that people in this spot do. There's things that suffer. What did you say to me one time? You said there's nothing better than a good man that suffered well or something like that. That day I trusted those guys because they, they had suffered well and, and, and suffered the right way. I mean, there's a, there's, there's a wrong way to go about it. But that, that day was interesting because there, there was peace on them. But it's an honor to walk with these women that need me. It's, it's interesting. I could tell that when you were going out the door, there was this beautiful fierceness about you. Like, I'm going to do something that is necessary and right and good. And though it doesn't feel great going out the door, you always come home better. Oh, yeah. They give me more, I think, most of the time than I, than I give them. I want to go back to something you said, and it's probably a question to both of you. Can you tell me a little more about the crossroad? You said, I came to a crossroad where I knew. And I'm imagining that would be on this certain way, and I realized that I have a decision to make. Um, I'm sure you both at one level, I'm not, maybe I'm not sure, but I'm curious about what that was, if you can put words to it. Sure. Um, uh, I guess my crossroad was because of the way Sage died. A lot of things came into play. Um, the drug use, where he was found, who he was with, um, the drug dealer, the parents of the house he was at, the friends. Uh, it's kind of a story in itself, but I could live the rest of my life just mad. Mad at Sage for he knew better, you know. I mean, he didn't... No, he, he was going to get fentanyl, but he, he knew better than to take drugs. I mean, um, and just mad at all those people all together, 
mad at COVID because everything was shut down. He couldn't go to AA meetings. You know, I, it runs the gamut of what what as a, I could be mad at. And all those things can build on one another. And they do, yeah. you know, especially in the very beginning. They do. You're, you're spiraling and, and you're just trying to, I don't even want to make sense because it still doesn't make sense sense necessarily, but you're trying to put the, the pieces together and try to figure out how to live with with all of this. Um, but I I had faith. And we've had things as a family prior to Sage's death um, where we, we relied on our faith a lot. But something like this, I I don't I'm not a mad, angry person by nature anyway. Um, and I, I, I knew, I knew the moment I saw Sage for the first time. <sighs> that I was going to be carried. This peace just washed over me. And I knew my child was not here. I knew where Sage was. And I was given the gift of peace in that moment. And so when I, uh, I walked out of that house, I was okay. And I knew I was gonna be taken care of and I was gonna be okay. I knew what I had to do which was to um, take care of my husband, take care of my sons, take care of my parents. And I was going to do that. And I was going to fight to do that. Um, and I hear Sage with me every day. I feel him. I see signs. Um, I'm so humbled and blessed by all the goodness that has come out of such tragedy. Um, but I'm choosing every day to live like this. So my crossroads is to be angry or to have faith and peace. And I am choosing faith and peace 100%. And it shows. It shows um, how you're living. Much like recovery, this is you can live in the problem or you can live in the solution. It's the same event, and some of this happened before Sage went because she's got she has the privilege of dealing with me get, having to get sober seventeen years ago. Remember, you remember that? Yeah. Um, That's how we this, met. Right? Uh, she's, I was just warming you up for the the life we were gonna. People say that they're that they're over things and that they forgive, and then, you know I I try quickly. I I will tell you that I've forgiven you, and then you know, quickly. Uh, she's not as quick to say that, but she's quicker to actually do it. And I'm quicker to say it and then bring it up and whatever. She literally like can take a situation and move on with it and, um, and, and, and put it in its proper place. But we, me getting sober a um, long time ago and then stage having problems. And the irony is I don't know how much of this is genetic and how much of it's situational or whatever, but I knew Sage was an addict at 10 years old. I, I, I knew, and I told her. He's every, I've done a lot of, <laughs> a lot of research on both sides of this coin. Um, 
And he just had all of the all of the character qualities of an addict. Really? Just had them. Um, by the way, addicts are my favorite people in the world. They are my favorite people. Whatever the addict they that's they tend to be. Um, but there's a there's an impatience and a manipulation, and there's an, an e, a large ego that's accompanied by a tiny self-esteem. There, there's he's everything on on stun, and he d- did everything on stun, and he was the most loving kid that we, I've ever seen, and the most frustrating kid that I've ever come into contact with. I so there was a, <clears throat> we got to when it came, and then he was the 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 subject of a of a frivolous lawsuit that was really painful and embarrassing and. Horrible, and I think that probably started him. And I, I can we I can bunny trail into that piece of thing as an anger. I think maybe that's the time that it manifested. But I always knew untreated. Um, I'm much healthier than I was even in early sobriety. You don't just okay. I got sober, and you're just. I've learned a lot through the years. Um, but walking with him through the problems, we had to make a decision that we were going to join forces or we were going to you know, not join forces. We were going to be a united front or we were not. And we became a united front and we got closer and closer and we dealt with him the best we could at the time in the healthiest way that we thought. And would I love to to try different things? Well, of course I would now because that one night something went awry. But the truth is that we spent a lot of time, healthy time and effort trying to do that. And when this happened, we were not on separate ends of the, it's hard for her because she took it personally. She took the, the, the use. So he knows better. He loves me. Why would he? And it's not, it's not you. Um, just like it wasn't you with me. You had to, you had to do this more than once. Yeah. And he would, he would tell me that. Like, Mom, it, this is not personal. I love you. Like, he was so good about making me feel it's not my fault. I mean, even till the very end. He, he would say, this is not your fault. I had a great childhood. You're great parents. This is my fault. I mean, he always, that, this... He never said, I hate you. He never stole from us. There's a lot of things that, that could have gone. I mean, the story's what it is. It's not. But that thing that you're talking about, our decision to, to deal with life in a healthy manner happened slowly but surely before Sage ever passed. And so when he when it happened, stunning and painful as it was, it really, I don't think we ever had a real choice that we were going to, okay, let's. Like she did tell me one time, you know what? I don't blame you if you drink again. And I'm like, you think you mean that, Oops. but you don't. That was a little slip up there, yeah. Michelle. I appreciated the sentiment because it's very sweet. It would make sense. And the fact is, like, I would understand. The truth being, it's, that wouldn't be good for anyone. But I got the sentiment of it. It was sweet. Um, but we we had already veered into the right. We're not. I don't mean that it was like accidental. God was already the center of our lives. Um, in his own way, church is not the center of our lives, but God was, um, and and He is even more so now. And church is probably even less so. It's just, it's just one of those. It's, we are on a spiritual journey that is amazing, and I wouldn't recommend it for anyone. <laughs> yeah, you know, who would? You know, you said something, Michelle. I make a choice every day. Mm-hmm. I make a choice every day. Um, and I know you do things every day. Um, what is what is a what is a part of that choice? What do you do every day, or say every day, or think every day that keeps you going? Does that make sense? 
what is it that because I, I know that y'all have a rhythm and I want to of your life but also the fact that you you make a choice every day because it's not hard to slip back into the anger I'm sure but to make a choice I just love to know about your choices that keep you alive because you're you're going to be you have I'm sure set a cross from a couple that you recognize because you know their grief and I, I think there's probably something about your choices that they need to know um okay I guess full disclosure about our sleeping arrangements <laughs> okay Brad and I have well, this separate bedrooms <laughs> this is getting interesting already. <laughs> it's not about it, but we built on separate the Bedroom with a bathroom between two bedrooms because I snore really bad. <laughs> I think this may be a part of you know this. This may be a part of my life in the future, so this is very. By the way, I highly recommend. It. Yeah. I mean, it works. Everything is better about that. Okay. Well, yeah. Back. Okay. Yeah, so. Okay. So, uh, the first thing I do when I wake up in in my bed. Um, she rings a little bell for me to get coffee for her. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good tradition. That's a good first. Futus doesn't have to ring the damn bell. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. Um, um, I say, good morning, Jesus. Good morning, Mary. Good morning, Seiji. And I say, thank you for this day and all who are in it. And, and then I just, I'm just still. And whatever, I cry every morning. Um, and it's interesting because Brad has a wonderful lady in his AA, and she had lost a child early, early on years ago. And so he was talking to her about me and kind of worried about why my wife cries every single morning. And what did she say to you? I can't remember. She said that. That's her time with Sage. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> that would be and they're not. They're sad tears, but they're not. And they're happy tears, but they're not. It's just, uh, it's how I start my day with him. And um, so I will pray for people that are on my heart that morning. And, um, and then whoever's going to enter my day will just that I'm open and I do God's will that day. And then um, Brad will, I'll hear the coffee grinder. <laughs> so I know he's up. <laughs> and this wonderful man <clears throat> will uh, bring me coffee in bed. And we just, we're just still together. And um, we talk about our day and what's on our heart a lot. And we always read Jesus Calling together. That is my favorite thing to do. Mm-hmm. And some days we don't have a lot of time, so it <clears throat> might just be 10 minutes together. And sometimes it could be a couple hours just being together in, in the presence of Jesus and Sage. And um, it's just kind of, it's our thing together. Uh, I don't know if, if you're a Jesus calling person uh, or not. I, um, there's so much in it. First of all, it's, we were in, into it before, but now it's like it's so appropriate for where we are. But there's so much in it about be still. Be still. 
walk with me. Let me hold your hand. It's not like I'm going to make your life perfect. I mean, we have confused Jesus and Santa Claus over the years. You know, it's not it's not Santa Claus. It's I'll walk with you. <clears throat> walk with me. Be still. Let me talk to you. Talk to me. You know, just let us sit in silence together. Like, <clears throat> and that's so important. I mean, I kind of my my thing is pretty similar to that. Um, yeah, because I just get up and I get, you know, as an alcoholic, I get on my knees first thing. Yeah, because it's just, even if I don't know what to say, I feel like starting your day on your knees is the appropriate position to be in servitude. And then um, being of service is uh, something we have to do every day as a, and a guy in recovery. So I figure if I knock it out with the coffee to my wife, then I'm, then I'm at least even for the day. You know what I mean? If I can, you know, if I, I can, I can possibly be an ass the rest of the day and get away with it if I take that coffee. And so yeah. do that. But there's a, uh, there's another thing in my, in my day, I have a little workout room in my garage. That's the only place I was allowed to decorate in the home. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's where my gold records get to wait, sit. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Look at this room. <laughs> this is your I room. didn't get to decorate it. I said the only place I got to decorate Okay. Oh, oh, oh you mean the lights and cameras? That's yeah. not. That's not. That's not me. <laughs> that is definitely not me. Right. But um, there's a couple of little stretches I do right when I start working out every day. And one of them is something where I lean over and my face goes right to a picture. Our friend in common, Nathan Lee, had a has a uh, nonprofit called Send Musicians to Prison. And Sage was working at this event that he was having. And my brother and I were singing at the same event. And there's a picture, there's just a random picture of the three of us, me, my brother, Brett, and Sage. And it's he gave it to me, it's in a frame and it sits on the sill. And every day when I'm doing this one stretch, my face looks out and I just reach out. I don't know why I reach out, but I it's, it's, I just reach out. And that's like, it's literally part of my day every day. It makes perfect sense that you say good morning to your son, both of you, every day. It makes perfect sense. It's what you do with sons. You mentioned um, signs, which is always um, makes me curious. Because um, when somebody has experienced, experienced loss, and speaks of signs, um, I believe them. Because um, there's no reason to make it up. But if you're comfortable, I, I would be interested in hearing about signs and what they mean to you. Uh, well, early on, my grandmother passed away several years ago, and I kept seeing this uh, cardinal bright red cardinal or backyard, which I never really, I'm sure it was there, but you just don't pay attention to things like that. And it would just do weird things, like just come sit on my car and stare at me or come to the window and stare at me. And I'm like, okay, this is kind of strange. So, but it was so peaceful. Um, I just, I just kept thinking about her because she lived in Buffalo and would, I remember growing up as a kid, she would see like a um, a bluebird and compliment how beautiful bluebird. And then the cardinals, the red cardinals, she would always just point out these two different birds. And I just, my mind, when I saw that after she passed away, it, it just kind of comforted me and, and made me think of her. So I always had this thing with, with cardinals. And then, um, gosh, when, when, 
Sage died, they were everywhere. Like our backyard, you couldn't walk out without, not just one a lot of times, just several, three, four. Eight, so I mean, it's like a cardinal farm. Yeah, <laughs> really, it was, it was the just, oddest thing sometimes. It was just uh, really, really strange. So um, the day, well, a few days before his funeral, my cousin Sam and I were in our garage and he's a, he grew up Catholic like I did, but not as a huge church goer or, you know. Um, so we were sitting there and he knew I told him about the Cardinals and things and we were getting some things out um, of the garage and we just had a moment together, so sweet. And he said, you know, I just listened to you about your Cardinals and he <coughs> said, you know, I, I think that's beautiful. I think there's something to that. And I'm like, well, that's up to you to make up your mind. And, not, and I said, but I, I, I know, I know there's, those are for me in my yard. I know that they're for me. And wouldn't you know, a Cardinal flew right in front of our garage door and just sat there and stared at both of us. And we both just started crying. And I was like, oh my gosh, it was crazy. So Cardinals and I are very close. And, um, but I think a big thing that happened when we were picking out, we went to the cemetery, we're picking out Sage's uh, stone and we were in the car on the way back. And this is several days after the funeral. So you're in shock anyway. Can't even <clears throat> process that you're in a cemetery and you're picking out a headstone for your child. You can barely even breathe. And we're in the car and Brad and I are just, just talking. I don't even know what our really our conversation was about. And somehow, what, what did you say? You had, you had gone and visit him, the, the body, and I, I didn't, I was, yeah. I was good. I didn't, and she had gone in and we're leaving the thing and her phone was sitting in the console. Like it was just sitting in the couple in the console. And she said, I know, I know that he's okay. And, and because I can just tell when I was there, I know that he's okay. And, and if he's okay, then, then we're okay. And, and, and she's kind of crying. And, and then she, looked down at her phone and picked it up and she's like, oh my God, thank you, Jesus, whatever. And I'm like, what is going on? And she just showed me the phone and it just said, he's okay on the face of the phone. Now, I've tried a thousand times since then in the last two and a half years to say he's okay into Siri or the phone. or It doesn't come up like that. It says, I'm not sure what you're asking me. What it doesn't say, there is nothing you can say to make he's okay come up on your screen. I don't know if I... Okay, so I took a picture of the phone because I knew that no one would believe us. So I took, I have a picture that just, it just says, he's okay. That wasn't like, uh, hey Siri, he's okay. I just didn't, we didn't do that. It just was sitting. So it came on the phone and we're leaving the funeral home, which was over, I don't know what you call that area of town, but it was deep Franklin kind of off to the side. And um, it didn't, you know how the phone goes off in like five minutes or two minutes or whatever it is. It, it didn't, disappear it just and we were driving around so somehow I got lost you know in Franklin I was just driving and we we're like when is this going to go off it won't it, it stayed on I said how long is this thing going to stay on and we're we were so lost that I don't know I didn't know where we were and at some point we poked out 
at Porter's, the old Porter's Call. By the railroad. By the railroad tracks. And after 15, well, 20 minutes of driving around with that he's okay on the phone and us crying and whatever, freaking out. When we, when we hit the railroad tracks at Porter's Call, it went off, which is, that is your, your old place. And uh, it didn't, that also didn't seem like an accident at all. But it was like, um, holy cow, that was, and then like, you know, her, her sweet aunt, this, you know, she's, oh, there's no iPhones in heaven. Like, well, well, yeah, like okay, well, f first of all, hopefully, God, I hope not. Exactly. But in hell, probably. Yeah. But right, right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the iPhone, the hell is actually an Apple store. I don't know if you're aware of that. <laughs> I think it's just an Apple store and you wait in line um, and you don't know how to do the technology. I'm like, yeah, but, you know, I'm pretty sure God can work one if he wants. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't think there has to be iPhones and um, he can do whatever he wants. I, if I wasn't sitting in that car, if I didn't experience that, I would be listening to this with skepticism. I would just be like, okay. Yeah. I'm sure you think that happened. Okay. And I, by the way, it's fine. Just think what you want. This isn't, if, you, if that's your thought process, this story is not for you. Yeah. Um, when we needed it. That was one of those days when you just like, if I can get through till the night and mm -hmm. get to sleep uh, and then mission accomplished. And that day we slept. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think um, the most profound thing that's ever happened in my entire life was, I guess the first time Brad went back to work and I was by everybody, the family had left, friends had left. So I was low story. Yeah, the low story. So, good. so I was literally by myself in the house and I was like, okay, this is just not okay. <laughs> just didn't feel right. So my favorite place to be is outside in, in my flower garden. So I thought, well, okay, I'm gonna go look for some more roses for my, my garden. So I I went to Lowe's and this is still during COVID and people were still very masky. <clears throat> Um, well, let me back up just a minute. Before this, a few days before this, I was looking, Sage's uh, remains were coming soon. So I wanted to find the perfect box to put them in. Um, and I also wanted to find a candle because I'm a candle snob. <laughs> I wanted him to have just the perfect candle that I could light all the time for him. So I went into this cute little boutique and looking at all these boxes and there was this one blue box and there was a lady sitting on the box, kind of a foil stamped box. And she had this curly hair with those big straw hat and she's sitting in a garden. A like, picture of a lady. Kind a of picture made, of a lady. You kind of right. made it sound like there was an actual lady oh, sitting yeah, on the yeah. candle box. No, it's yeah. just foil stamped. <laughs> okay. Yes. I, I didn't know what that means, neither did Al. <laughs> well, sorry, a female sorry. would know what that means. Right, right. Sorry, this is for the Sorry, a picture of a lady on the box that had curly hair. Okay. The candlelight shows. And then fast forward a few days later, I'm at Lowe's, and I hear somebody say something, a woman's voice. I turn around, and there is this lady standing right next to me. And she's wearing this straw hat. Her hair is gray, silver, perfectly curled. And she had the most beautiful blue eyes I had ever seen. 
I mean, I couldn't stop staring at her eyes. And her face was just milky white. And there was just something about her that just took my breath away. And so I asked, I just said, excuse me? And she said, she said, you are loved. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? She said, you are loved. And I thought, wow. And I just started to cry and I said, my son just passed away. And I said, that means so much to me. And when someone would say that to me, I would be like, oh gosh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to upset you or, you know, I'm so sorry for your law or something. She was so calm and she said, I'll pray for you. Just as sweet and kind, but not emotional, like she knew. So I didn't even say thank you. I just slowly turned around and continued to push my buggy because I, I didn't, I couldn't even process what had just happened. So I went down a few more aisles just thinking about this woman. I couldn't stop thinking about her. And I look up in this tree and this bright yellow bird, like bright, bright yellow bird was just singing away. And I'm just like, okay, I've got to go find this woman because I've got to at least thank her or find out why she said that to me. I looked everywhere for that woman, everywhere outside the parking lot, inside the store, the rest of the garden area, she was gone. She was nowhere to be found. And I just went into my car and I called Brad and I'm just sobbing and I'm telling him what happened. And I'm like, thank you for choosing me and giving me such a beautiful gift. Such a beautiful <clears throat> gift. And what you said to me on the phone was, I'm so grateful right now. I mean, and this was not at the, the week yeah, that you would have been. Gratitude. gratitude would not have been at the top of the list in this week. And she's like, I'm so grateful right now. I just can't. And I knew, I, I'm like, oh, something has happened that's, because only something supernatural or spiritual could have made. I mean, there, there's nothing. We, we could have won $100 million in the lottery and it wouldn't really have mattered at that moment. Which, by the way, it's a good place to be in your head and heart. I, 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 I'd like to stay there. Um, or that's, I'm already not stayed there, but when you just, the things that matter, matter, but you were, you were grateful. And I was like, you're grateful. Yeah. Do the uh, 9-11s. Oh yeah. So I don't, I don't know why Sage always did it, but he always would just go, oh, it's 9-11. He noticed when it was 9-11 during the day for whatever. And he would just hold his phone up. Oh, it's 9-11. Or we would pass on. I mean, it's just something he did. I, don't, I never even asked him why. It was just, just funny. And uh, a cork, and he did it for years. I don't know. And we see 9-11s all the time. I will not have looked at my phone in an hour in the morning. And I'll be working out. And I'll pick it up and go, what? And it's 9-11. Or I'm watching a football game and the clock is ticking down. And I'll happen to say, oh, how much time is left in this game? 9-12, 9-11. It goes to that. Um, I, I hike uh, down at this little little park uh, often, and one day I just said, I'm not taking anything, no earbuds, no music, no podcast, no nothing. I'm just going to spend the day with Sage. Uh, we're going we're to hike together. You know, we're just going to completely, um, nothing in my head. And I literally realized I had done this hike a zillion times, but I had never noticed. But all of these pole markers have 9-11 on them. 
um, like every, there's like 10 of them. And I never noticed them until that day. Um, it just happens like all the time. I don't, I don't even know why. And I actually had, um, there was a moment in my business, there was some kind of conflict with publishing on a country song, which seems so incredibly petty uh, for what we're talking about. And it was the kind of thing where you would screw you, screw you. And, and you know, uh, and honestly, I had to, I think I had the, the upper hand. I mean, it was, I was right about this thing, but I didn't want to. And I just, uh, I asked the co-writers in the song, is it okay if I handle this? And they're like, yeah, yeah. And so I just called the person in question and took the very highest road and said, you tell me what you want to do. Don't care. I'll do whatever it is. Anything that makes you feel right about this. And the person on the end of the line was like, oh, no, no, it's good. You're, you're, you're right the whole time. Absolutely not. And, it was just something I would have never done, like coward to someone in the wrong so that they could make money from something, um, possibly make money from something. And I, it's just like, that was so the new me, you know, that even, even Silver Brad wasn't capable of this. And it just was second nature. And, and, uh, and as soon as I hung that phone up with that person, I looked at the phone, it was 9-11. I mean, it, it, there's, there, there's a hundred of those little things in there. I mean, by the way, you can live your life as though nothing's a miracle or as though everything's a miracle. I tend to now think everything's a miracle, but I, somehow it all matters. Like everything is something, but nothing is everything. Um, I don't live my life waiting for the, the signs, but they're there. And maybe, they're, maybe they've, been, they've been there the whole time and I just wasn't noticing. I have one more. Oh my God. Oh, I don't know about it? No, it just happened this morning and I don't know why. Like... <clears throat> We know it's been two and a half years since Sage passed, but I just, I didn't know how many days, which I don't know why that's important to me or why today I chose to, but I just wanted to know. So I, I'm a terrible at math. So I, I Googled how many days from- That's the way to go. <laughs> yeah, May 18th to 2020 to November 15th, 2022. And look what came up on the phone. What is 911 days today. Okay. Okay. Wow. You know, um, <laughs> holy cow. That's a real, and that wasn't rehearsed. No, no. it was amazing. Wow. What is your, <laughs> what is your, you know, as, as you tell me these, I'm going, okay, <laughs> there's, you are loved. Um, you are loved. Um, just by hearing this, it, I've, I've, I've memorized one poem in my life, and here it is. Um, because I've, I've noticed, uh, I've noticed that your senses are heightened. You look, you you don't really look for things, but you're aware, and 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 you see. Um, it's this little poem by a woman named Elizabeth Barrett Browning, and it says this: "Earth is crammed with heaven." and every common bush aflame with God. And those who see will take off their shoes and the rest pluck blackberries. I think, you know, I think for, for the skeptics who may be listening to this and people are going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I go, no, a burning bush is kind of a sign, you know? <laughs> The skeptics yeah. have turned this off already, by the way. They're gone. God, the scriptures are full of signs. 
And that one particularly, it's like, what? And I love that poem because it says, Earth is crammed with heaven, with cardinals, with 9-11s, with pictures, with thoughts, with people who there are angels who show up and whatever. And every common bush of flame with God and those who see know it's holy ground and they take off their shoes and the rest just pluck blackberries. <laughs> and I really want to be, I mean, I think one of, the, one of the things that you teach me is that I want to be a man who takes off his shoes more um, because we're on a holy ground. And, and there are things that you know um, that lead you there. And I'm, I, I want to say I'm proud of you, but that's a weird word in this situation. But I'm, maybe I'm honored I'll to hear. It. Oh, you'll take it, yeah. <laughs> but I, I think I'm honored to be a part of this conversation because in the midst of this painful discussion at times, I know you as people of hope. I experience you as people of hope. Uh, you're enjoyable to be around and even more enjoyable because you're authentic. Oh, um, that's my word. Yeah, that's and, and that's, word. that's both joy and sorrow are true in any given moment. Um, and, and you live that out. And it's so good to see and, and um, hopeful to see. It isn't lost on me that our Al and I have a friend that's on death row. So that's another story, but he's an amazing, sweet Christian man. And uh, what's his one wish? If he got one thing, what is? Do you remember what he told us he would he would do if he was allowed to do one thing? He would put his take his shoes off and put his feet in the grass. Yes. He hasn't had his feet in the grass. <clears throat> 38, 38. 38 years. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, maybe we should all take our shoes off more. Yeah. That's why I want to live at the beach. <laughs> <laughs> A little transition there. <laughs> oh, yeah. I like having my shoes off. Yeah. As you can see, I'm trying to be more like Jesus now. <laughs> <laughs> it's been several weeks since this podcast began. And uh, I know there have been lots of responses to it. What have these few weeks been like for you? Unexpected for me. Um, when, when the podcast was released, uh, Brad and I were down in Florida. And I didn't, we're not social media people at all. Uh, and a few times when Brad did post after Sage passed, and I think you've done it as a thank you for all the amazing people that reached out to us early on. Um, you did a thank you. And then on his birthday, he, he does a post. And reading those is so hard, but it's, it's healing. And it's, um, grief in itself is so isolating. Um, and, and knowing people are responding gives us hope. And just with him right now, I hope it gives other people hope. Um, there is something about knowing that you're not the first one to walk the road, A, and that you're not walking it alone. That is, uh, that's what we have to give right now. That's what we have to give. And, uh, and the, the, the response from the, 
the early response from the podcast was humbling and we, we like, you know, we're down in Florida kind of trying, you know, have a couple of days. We like cried a lot. Um, there's just, there was a lot of just sweet things. And I mean, a mother that lost two children in the same week to suicide. I mean, you think you've got it like, whoo. And the reason that we, now my, uh, Matt, our producer, uh, chased me down and then my wife said that I was, made me do it, <laughs> to do this podcast. But the, the reason that I didn't run screaming um, is because when this first happened, I would have given anything to have something to listen to that wasn't, so I don't want to keep like berating this because I love church and our, our priest is one of my favorite people in the whole world. It's not about church, but I needed something non-churchy that had some red meat in it that I could talk about this. It wasn't like, he's in a better place. Yeah, I know he's in a better place, but I'm not. <laughs> you know, um, whatever it was, um, I would have enjoyed this conversation. I would have, it would have helped me. Um, the first year, how still, I, I, I mean, I, I look for this kind of thing to read because it, give, it gives me hope and I want to be close to that person. And if someone doesn't experience grief or they, you know, they don't understand, they're, you know, they, wouldn't be interested in this anyway. Um, my assumption is, but doing this and realizing that we always said, Matt Pivoteau, who's the producer on this, and and Lisa Bolt, who's our segment producer, and then Michelle and I have always kind of had this agreement that if one person can be helped from this, then this is worth all the trouble. Because it's, you know, there's a lot of work. And to see that it was, there were a lot of one peoples getting something out of it right away was it was humbling, and then we finally went, we're like, okay, we, I had to put the phone away for today. There's no, that phone has to sit, because it would get down to like, okay, this is all over with, and like four days later, and then our my cousin, who's really close to us, just sent a wonderful message. It's like, oh, we're balling again. I'm like. Because as we're filming all the guests, and he's here, and I'm sitting behind him, um, you do relive it. Wounds are being opened yeah. when he's, talking to a guest on this show. And when we're reading the positive, wonderful um, feedback that people are taking time to respond here, it does open wounds for us, which is, you know, it, it sets you back a little bit, but then by the grace of God, we we, we move forward and, and, and keep doing this. Um, but, but it is hard. And I don't think when the, the day the podcast came out that we were kind of prepared for, I kind of just thought, well, maybe a couple of people will respond. Like our friends might say, hey, good job, you know, but wow, talk yeah. about being humbled and yeah. grateful. Just that a lot of people don't have a platform to 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 talk to or to experience. And, um, and, and a grieving mom, dad, or you, you just want to be heard. You want to hear your child's voice. You want to talk about it. You want to talk about her or him. And they don't reach out because we have some kind of great information. They reach out because to let us know they know how we feel because they feel that way. And everyone's doing that. That's an amazing healing thing. Uh, a couple days of this, in, we're in Florida. Um, she's from Dunedin originally, like from Florida. It's just about 30 minutes from where we are. We never go there. We've, we've had this little place in Florida for over a year. And we just don't, it's not somewhere we go, but it's, so we, uh, we said, let's go to Dundee. It's this little little town. Uh, I don't know. It's not that much special about it. It's on the water, but so is the one more place we are. We could just stay there. We just decided we're going to go to Dundee. 
we wound up stopping and having dinner at the place where our wedding reception was. Denny, which is so weird, we didn't plan it. It's so weird. Uh, it's a crazy thing. And so we're just walking around having a coffee in this little this little town outside Tampa that we randomly went to that day. And uh, you know, we're just so we go to this vintage bookstore. Um, yeah, I like books. I'm not crazy about it, but I like books and and uh, old books. And, and so I was looking through. There was uh, who was it that I? Who, what was the? I can't remember. It was anyway, some famous author that I I kind of wanted this book, so I found this book. Anyway, she's over just flipping through this book at Beach Birds. It's a book on beach birds. Yeah. By the way, list of things. If five years ago, if you told me that gave me a hundred things to list that I'd be doing, a podcast on grief doesn't make the top hundred. Being interested in birds of any kind doesn't make the top thousand, right? They were just, those are just something to shit on my car. That's literally what I thought about birds. So whatever, but I, I've come to, you know, I have a big cardinal tattoo on my arm and it's, yeah, whatever, I'm all in. But the birds are mesmerizing down at the beach. Just prepare. So anyway, she's flipping through this book of beach birds. And I said, what are you looking at? And she goes, oh my gosh, I don't know if you've been to the beach lately, but there's no cardinals at the beach. I mean, it's just, yeah. they're just not. Uh, I don't know what them what you would have a, a cardinal. This thick book of several hundred pages with beach birds in it, which is sounds terrible reading, by the way. I don't know why you picked it up, but <laughs> like birds are crazy. She she's flipping the book and she goes, "Oh my god!" And I look down and there's a piece of toilet paper in this book in a page, and you open it up and it's a cardinal, a red cardinal just like the one that's tattooed on my damn arm. And I'm like, oh, we looked through that book. There's no other cardinals in that book. There was a piece of toilet paper uh-huh. in the book where the cardinal was. That might be an accident. If that's an accident to you, then enjoy your life. You know, earth, <laughs> earth is crammed with heaven and every common bush of flame with God. <laughs> and what did I say? I said, oh, thanks, Sage. You got your mama. Because yeah, the toilet yeah, paper and the bird, you know, yeah. we just, we started to cry and then that tear turned into tears so of happiness. Yeah. Hey, what about the holidays? Yeah, holidays are tough. Mm. The first, the first holiday of the first year of everything is, is tough. I think uh, it's, it's harder on her than me. I, I, I don't really, I didn't care much about holidays before. I care even less now. So, um, but it's, yeah, it's a tough time because it's a time when your family's all together. We would all be together. And there's an there's an empty seat. Empty seat. Yeah, I mean, our family looks different. So of course, holidays are going to look different. Birthdays look different. Um, so we've we've just kind of navigated them the best way we could. We sit down with the boys, and especially the first year, ask them what they want to do. Because Brad and I could stay in the bed all day, honestly, and, and could care less about <laughs> any yeah. holiday and whenever, but um, my middle son, who doesn't really voice his opinion too, too much, he's like, well, you are going to put up a Christmas tree, aren't you? And I'm like, okay, yeah, we'll put up yeah, a tree. Yeah, of course we are. Sure. So my sweet friend Lee came over and put up a tree, which we both laugh at it, so I could say this because she agrees. It was really sad, like the saddest tree ever. But you probably need a happy tree, but anyway. Yeah, you know, it was happy because I would go in there and look at it and just laugh. So it was the perfect tree and Queen Goddess tree. And um, we ended up going to Florida. And 
my big thing has always been Christmas Eve. We always threw a big Christmas Eve party and the boys, there's tradition since they were really little. So that's something we always look forward to. Um, so needless to say that that's no longer in existence. Um, and the first year we went to Florida and Christmas Eve came along and we're all, we were made reservations at a really nice restaurant with a family friend of ours. And so that morning rolls around and the, we're all just walking around like zombies, to be honest. We're just, we know it's coming tomorrow and this is just super hard and weird. So uh, the boys come and say, we really don't want to go. We want to just watch TV and hang out and stay in our pajamas. And I'm like, okay, good. We, we can do that. I'm like, oh, but everything's closed. There's no restaurants open really. So we, I went in the freezer and there was literally frozen pizza and tater tots. And I'm like, are y'all okay with this? You're like, yeah, yeah, mom, absolutely. So that's kind of Christmas Eve now, pajamas, uh, pizza, and, and tater then tots. Christmas Day. Christmas Day. There's a uh, so our little place in Florida. There's a Waffle House down the street, and we have Christmas dinner at Waffle House. So those are our new traditions. Yeah. Christmas lunch at Waffle House. You know, believe it or not, it's packed. You have to get a little reservation. Tell me what Christmas lunch at Waffle House is. Well, it's kind of the same thing as it's breakfast. I think I splurged and got the steak and eggs, which oh. is a little piece of maybe cat and, oh. <laughs> and some eggs. Or maybe it's dog. I don't know. Uh, okay. <laughs> wow. But yeah, so I guess the first year is definitely the, the, the toughest. You're still in shock and, and just trying to put the pieces together and reality setting in that your child is not with you. Um, the second year, I guess it gets a little bit better. So we're actually on our third Christmas coming up. Um, and the stores are full of Christmas decorations now. And the past two years, I was like, oh, hell no. Like, uh -uh, I'm not, I don't want to hear the Christmas music. I don't want to see the damn trees, the ornaments. Like I want no part of this. But this year, I'm, I'm taking baby steps, and I actually bought a couple ornaments, and... Um, I kind of love the non-Christmas shopping, Michelle, to be honest. <laughs> oh, thank let's you, not, too, let's baby. Not, let's, not, let's, not, let's not recover too quickly. Like, I said baby steps. Let's not for the bowl. Yeah, yeah. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> I said baby steps. Um, yeah, so it's still looking different, and, it, and it's evolving, but... Um, that aching pain, I don't think is as strong. I'll say this about those kind of things. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit like black and white kind of guy. Nothing is ever gonna look the same to me, nothing. Never gonna have a perfect day. I've talked about that on this podcast. Um, no, the plans that you have for your children and what are they gonna do for a living and what's that gonna look like? How many grandchildren am I gonna have? How old of a grandparent am I gonna be before they actually have kids? And are we gonna, am I gonna have grandkids? And I don't have that expectation anymore. It's not up to me. I have no expectations what my, what my kids do for a living, when they get married, how many kids they have. It's none of my business. That's a freedom that I have. And along with that comes the idea that a holiday is just another day. If we're together, good enough, whatever tradition we had, we created, um, there's a freedom in the lack of expectation. And uh, there's a lack of expectation for me for anything. I don't have expectations. And I've sat down with, with the two boys that are still here with us on this side. 
and said, I just want you to know I love you unconditionally and I don't care what you do for a living and I don't care who you marry or what, whatever. I'm going to love you unconditionally. And even if I, if I have some kind of disapproval or something, I'm going to keep it to myself because you need to know that you're loved first and foremost. I don't know if it changes anything other than our relationship for me to be, you know, I had plans. You're going to do this and you're going to, Sage was going to play college football and or baseball. Um, that was like, we did that from seventh grade on. He, he kind of excelled in athletics and, I would never do that again. I would never do that again. I would just absolutely just go, you're loved. If you want something, work really hard for it. There's nothing wrong with hard work. I'm not insinuating that. But my expectations for me are dangerous. My expectations for someone else are just stupid. <laughs> you know, as we're sitting here talking, I think, and I'm going to sound like a real curmudgeon or something, or, or a Scrooge, but when I think of Christmas... Now, um, it's, you know, I have great memories all through my life. Um, and um, a lot of what we experience um, of, you know, everything, all the decorations, all the, I want to say forced cheer, because, you know, everybody's, everybody's like they usually are. And then there's a day and, and after that day, people say, how was your Christmas? And and yeah. you, nobody says it was awful. And and many people, it is. It's you long. told me last year yours was awful. Yeah, it was I love like that was our, our family all wrote these things. We everybody had something going on that was difficult, and um, and we ended up writing about them. And and it was just, um, but it was real, and we were together. But I, I think back at the first Christmas was frightening and, and people were afraid and Mary was afraid. She had to be, and her husband was afraid and uh, there was joy. She had a baby, um, but uh, there was sorrow and there was fear. Um, and you, you know, we go, we look at other holidays, Thanksgiving, it wasn't people on the, on the beach <laughs> with Native Americans and whatever. It couldn't have been. Um, and, and I'm not saying we, we shouldn't celebrate those things, but I, I think there's a reality that you know um, and that people with loss know. And that is um, the reality of this day or this day or this day um, that many everybody celebrates as a holiday you know, a deeper reality is that it is good and it is difficult. And it was in the beginning and it is now. Um, and I think that's, I don't know who could embrace that. But, but I would say, if anybody could, you all could. Because it's what you've known, but there's a, a reality to it that is real. That, that, that um, it didn't start out amazing. <laughs> um, especially Christmas, it started out with difficulty, um, and I think that's kind of important to know. And I, and I can even celebrate that—that that that's true. That uh, the Jesus that we know um, started out in difficulty and experienced difficulty. He knows this. He knows this, what you're going through, and he'll lead you through.
You know, I don't want to be the guy that every time I'm on your show, I, I pull out a poem at the end, you know, <laughs> but. Oh, you have the best poems. Um, it's interesting. Years and years ago, um, I read a poem called Tears um, by an English fellow. And the whole subject of sorrow and loss has been something that has been sitting with me for a long time. And I'm not sure all the reasons why. But this was one I was thinking of today and brought several poems. You never know. And, um, and it, it speaks to what you've just been talking about. Um, and it's about this community of people that you've discovered, um, all who share the same thing or something similar, a loss. So this is called Tears by John Bate, B-A-T-E. And it starts out, with sorrow is better than laughter, Ecclesiastes 7.3. Who, knowing tears, can be content with laughter? They wear slowly a thin hosing of water that slides down the exposed surfaces of rocks, smoothing them, making runnels in the hard stone, and sometimes moaning in the reinforcement of storm, rushing in floods to the swelling rivers, picking up pebbles and mud to race them round and round in suddenly deep-formed pools. Laughing, we forget those who cannot laugh, but weeping, we make a communion. Tears will soak us through to soil, down into high, silent caves where sadness, losing all its sharpness, is soft as air. And we can bathe naked in the still waters, sharing unashamedly with other naked folks the ravages that brought us there. You can just tell how much I've grown as a person that I didn't giggle when you said naked. <laughs> I was there. Like, you know, I, that's kind of like, that's a great place to tie the bow on this. Because I go, he has, he has, he has matured since I first met him several years ago. I believe you might have drugged him in.